Welcome back to the Uptime Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Blewett, and I'm joined here by lightning protection expert, Alan Hall. Alan, how are you doing? Great, Dan. How are you? I'm good. I uh, I have a question for you. On a 0 to 10 scale, yeah. how healthy are you? How free are you from coronavirus? I am coronavirus free as so of like right zero? now. Zero? Like a zero? I'm a, I'm a zero. My family is still at zero. At least they tell me they're at zero. I think okay. my whole community is actually at zero. I don't think, well, I'll take that back. That's not true. Uh, there's a nursing home about a quarter mile from my house. And I think they had 17 cases in that nursing home, which is, yikes. yeah, really disappointing. Um, really disappointing. So they're, they're suffering over there, but it sounds like they got a handle on it actually, which is good. How are things your way? Um, they're fine. I mean, I, the reports of it now spreading potentially by like micro droplets, like potentially yeah. just from breathing breathed yeah. on, like that's just like there's yeah. not much we're gonna be able to do. I mean, it's that's rough. Because... We're in the mask. I'm telling you, you're gonna well, be my... mask. Well, that's all well and good, except you have to make them yourself. I mean, you can't that's buy okay. one anywhere. So yeah, actually, my sister is gonna make some this weekend and ship one to me. <laughs> um, She's like, I have some old cloth that we're going to use. It's supposed to be cotton. So it's like, okay. I got but. berated the other day. Uh, the FedEx guy was coming up to the house, and it was a package I've been waiting for. So I popped open the door and reached out the door, and my wife grabs me and says, you can't take the package. He's got to set it on the ground, and then you can go pick it up. Like, oh, I, I, yeah, you're, you, you're 100% right. I did not think about that because I've never done that before. But mm -hmm. he should have just thrown it at me, and it would have been fine. Uh, but I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the post office today. Um, and just not a great, not a great, it's a very tiny location. So it's like a little box, almost like the size of, I don't know, like a late night little, like just dip in and grab a burger kind of place. Like it's yeah. very small and yeah. there are like three or four other people there. And I stood my five ish probably feet away from everyone. But yeah. I was like, Oh, I shouldn't be in here. But then if you walk out, then you're never going to get in line and then your whole day is stuck at the post office. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's problematic, but they said it might be transmissible through the air. So yeah, that's the thing right now. I saw, yeah. was it today where I saw the recommending that you wear a mask, whether you think you have it or not, because you're, you're contagious before you know it. I, when my, my wife went to um, the grocery store, what happens to be in our neck of the woods at a Walmart. And when she got back today, she said, most of the people in the store were wearing masks. So I think we jumped the cultural hurdle on masks. Probably. If, it, if it's happening here, it should be happening in most places. Yeah. And now if someone was to rob a bank, you like wouldn't even flinch. You'd be like, right. oh, you're wearing a mask for that reason. Oh, okay. Not okay. Yeah. So when we do get back to normal in the, in the, in the fall, we're going to be all desensitized to people wearing masks. Yeah, it's gonna be tr it's gonna be trouble. It's gonna be trouble. Yeah, it will. Needs, yeah, it will. Superheroes or something. Right. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so how how is this affecting the renewable energy sector? Uh, it's just like everything else. Uh, parts of it are in complete shutdown. Uh, factories, no, pe people to do the work, huh? Yeah. Well, I think everybody's got to try to keep their distance, right? So anything that's uh, closed, office intensive, where you're packing in a bunch of engineers in a small space, has been stopped, and they've sent everybody home. Yeah. And then the manufacturing areas, uh, they're either working to spread them out, spread people out from one another, so they're not working in close proximity to one another. 
And uh, from what I heard, because uh, I did, had a couple of phone calls this week talking about this, which all this makes sense to me now. They're, and I've seen this in action, but I never really thought about it this way. But what they're doing is they're, they're taking the employee's temperature before they come in and then providing them with a wristband. So they're coming in with a wristband that says, I'm corona free, or I do not have a temperature. So you go to work, you got the wristband on, you're doing the separation thing. It sounds like in some places they're handing out masks for people to wear while they're in the workplace. And then on the way out, they get their temperature checked and they go home. And then the, okay. the second kind of, I think the, a smart thing to do if they can do it is to go from one shift to three shifts. So taking that same group of people and spreading them out over 24 hours, an eight hour group into 24 hours. So it's a third, a third, a third over the work day. So you're not in close proximity to everybody. So it's just like, it just forces separation to happen, but people can still uh, earn a living. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, if they can pull that off, they're doing it. But, um, you know, some of these wind turbine things are really labor intensive where if you're putting a wind turbine up and you got a lot of construction crew, they're going to be in close proximity to one another. There's no way getting around it. So those, those projects, a lot of those projects have been stopped. Uh, obviously countries that are hit hard will cease some of those things. Um, I expect parts of the United States will stop for a while. Uh, sounds like Italy will stop wind turbine work for a while. Spain probably will. Any of those places have been hard hit where it's the, the virus has spread slowly over a long, a, a wider area for a longer period of time. Uh, governments are just going to shut down those, those things because they could be postponed. That's what's going to happen. So we're going to see a, a basically a shift moving all the schedules to the right. So things that would have happened in July are probably going to happen in September, October. Yeah. And it, it seems like just getting people out to repair them and maintain them and just hit yeah. that normal um, this maintenance schedule is going to be really difficult. It's going to be difficult. Well, and a lot of if I think they try to try to balance separation and safety, worker safety uh, versus productivity somewhere they got to draw a line right and if mm -hmm. if you put in the precautions and you're doing a lot of the checks on temperature and people not coming to work who feel like they're ill it does make it for a safer environment and then obviously people that are in the, those risk categories uh, are just being told to stay home and don't worry about coming in until this is passed that's also smart so uh breaking up the the groups of people and trying to do the best for them and also try to provide energy for the sector is, is also important. So that everybody's trying to weigh those, weigh those costs and trade-offs right now. Yeah. And so talking about, you know, labor intensive, wind turbines are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. So yep. manufacturing is getting obviously more complex transportation of just like single blades that are now, you know, 107 meters long, getting yeah. more difficult. So, but then once they're up and running, hopefully they're reducing a lot of the uh, the upkeep and they're just pumping out more power for less, you know, less wind windmills out there. So, yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges that some of the scale is is providing the industry? Well, the first from a just a operation standpoint, you're going to have to transport these things and, and you're going to end up building new factories. So like the LM factory that has been just being built, um, that's making the Hallier blade for General Electric. So the new factory in Normandy, France, uh, 
you're going to put it somewhere where you can get next to the shipping dock so you can get the blades on a ship and take them where they eventually will end up at. So you got to, in a sense, you got to build a lot of expensive infrastructure to make blades that big. Um, and then obviously from the design standpoint, you, you really want to make those blades last as long as you can. So from the lightning protection standpoint, uh, you really want to do a lot of testing on them and make sure that they're going to perform as you think they are. As when the blades get to 107 meters, <laughs> yeah. they're not me, right? That's a, in the United States. That's a football field, right? It, that is a long way. And it, it obviously it makes the total diameter about 200 meters when the blade's spinning around. It, that's, a, that's a big area. Uh, when the blades get that big, they're going to be using carbon fiber in those blades because that you need more fiber strength because of the way the, the, the weight and the load is. Um, so some part of those blades will have carbon fiber in them in a, in a spar to stiffen them up where they can handle the loads. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge deal putting carbon fiber in any sort of blade because it's conductive and lightning energy tends to go down to anything that's conductive, right? It's parallel paths. There's a down conductor in there, I'm sure. And then, some part of that energy is going to get to the carbon fiber and how do you handle the lightning energy going into it, lightning energy going out of it and do it safely. Uh, yeah. So it's a big, that's a big design challenge. Yeah. So reading down the spec sheet. So the Halliate X, which is a GE uh, turbine, it's 12 yep. megawatts. This is the, the wow. world's biggest new uh, wind turbine, 12 megawatt output, 220 meter rotor diameter, which is insane. Um, like you said, 107 meters per blade. Yeah, and uh, two hundred sixty meet, two hundred sixty meter total height. So it's yep. about eight eight hundred yep. feet, uh, with the top blade pointing straight vertical, which is just in like just got to be terrifying just being near them. So well, they're gonna be out in the ocean, right? Or I, no, they're the oh, they're not part, on the ocean. Yeah. yeah, they're on. I think they're in. Are they on ocean or in the, on the land there? Are they're, they up in Holland? They're slated to be offshore for the most part. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll I mean, probably most, put one on. Just so they can test it, right? They, would have they do have a prototype. Yeah, I think it's I think it's near Normandy Beach is where their factory is uh, yep. in France. But I mean, yeah, they're stacking this up in some of their graphics. You know, these are almost as tall as the Eiffel Tower. I mean, wow, just like it's insane. Eiffel Tower's so, big. Yeah, it's not small. Although I haven't been out there, but I've heard reports <laughs> that it's not that it's not small. Um, but yeah, I mean these these things are so big where it's you know. I don't know how you even start to get repairmen up there. I mean, it, there's just going to be more and more challenges. And like you said, with yeah. the shortage potentially of workers yeah. and transportation, and they're going to want these, they said the capacity factor is 63%, which is, which is really high. So they're going to yeah. try to keep these running as much as they can because one of these can power up to 16,000 homes, which is crazy. That's a lot of homes. It's a lot of homes. And they're yeah. going to be in really, really rough terrain. You know, Well, not so much terrain, but just rough uh, seas, you know, with sure. lots and lots of wind. So, yeah, I mean, keeping them going is going to be difficult. So you said you came across some, some research recently on down conductors that's probably yeah. relevant in this case. So there's a new paper out on lightning protection for winter and blade. It's, uh, produced by, looks like a number either, uh, students or, or professors. I can't tell, but the name of it is called Lightning Protection Methods for Wind Turbine Blades, an Alternative Approach. Uh, the paper is based on wind turbines. Uh, it looks like it's really based upon a Vestas uh, wind turbine blade, an 80-meter or 85-meter long blade. 
in terms of what the analysis is. So they use a, a computational analysis, they use an ANSYS, which is a sort of an industry standard computational program. They use the student version of it. But essentially what they were looking at was the down conductor and how different diameters of down conductor, uh, what the effects they have was they carry lightning energy. So they were simulating lightning current flowing down the down conductor and then calculating what the temperature of the down conductor was and the change in the length of the down conductor. So as a wire gets hot, it gets longer. All metals tend to do that at different rates, depending on what kind of metal it is. So they had started off with a, basically a smaller diameter uh, down conductor, theoretically put current down it, lightning, big lightning current down it, and then predicted what the temperature was. So in the smallest case, which I think is 50 millimeter cross section, the temperature rise was about 600 degrees Celsius. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> in Fahrenheit, it's over roughly 1200 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, that's hot. And the, the growth of the down conductor was about inch and a half, two inches. So it actually got two inches, inch and a half to two inches longer over that 80 meter span. Two implications are one, as a, as a down conductor grows, it puts stress onto the blade wherever it's held down at. So that down conductor starts to move, tries to make mm -hmm. mechanical other things move. But the, the second part is that the temperature gets so hot that a lot of that heat is transferred into the structure of the blade. And because the down conductor is on the inside of the blade, where a lot of the load is carried on a wind turbine blade, you can degrade the load bearing structure inside the blade. That's a problem. And so they had done calculations and, and simulations of 50 millimeter cross-section, 100 millimeter cross-section, 200 millimeter cross-section, and watch how as you got bigger diameter, the temperature dropped, considerably dropped, and the, the growth of the, as the temperature went down, the length of the down conductor uh, varied a lot less. So they were essentially what they were saying was you're going to need a certain minimum diameter and you need to be thinking about the temperature rise of the down conductor so you don't damage the structure and that you don't put extra stress onto the, the blade structure. So it's, a, it's an interesting paper that way. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you don't think about the radiant heat coming from the down conductor. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so much energy in a lightning strike. So... What would you? What do you think is the future as far as protecting all of that? I mean, is it just getting a thicker down it conductor? Is. is it insulating it better, or, or what? It, well, the, the first step is to get an understanding of, of how much heat is actually being developed there, and making sure that the structural engineers understand that and can tolerate it. On on other composite structures, on, on a typical aircraft structure, usually your 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 number you want to stay below is 180 degrees Fahrenheit. You don't want to get above that number because mechanically the structure will never uh, regain its strength. So once you get it above that number, you start degrading the mechanical strength of the structure. Um, and does that start with the yeah. resin? Does that start with like the f carbon fiber or is it, I mean, sure they all have different points where they start to really see negative. Yeah. Effects. So it, it depends. Uh, it's mostly the resin system. The fibers don't care. Carbon fibers is basically burnt material to begin with. Fiberglass is is a pretty high. It can handle some some high heat. What can't handle the high heat is the resin system. So you're actually physically changing the the molecular nature of the resin system. So it's not uh, as tough as it once was. That's essentially what it is. Gotcha. So 
most of these strikes are probably going to end up going through the down conductor. That's the goal. I mean, probably, or I should, I, yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> but most of them are probably going to go there by way of the receptor. Yeah. You'd hope. Yes. So, is the receptor itself is that a weak or strong link in that chain? It's actually a, a weak link in the chain. I th- because the receptor is actually uh, handling a lot of the the lightning energy, lightning energy is coming in on the receptor. So there's a lot of heat from the actual lightning channel on the receptor. So the receptors are pretty much always getting hot because there's thermal effects from the lightning channel and being close that close or to the lightning channel, which is roughly 10,000 mm-hmm. degrees Celsius. So a lot of that in a metal structure, it'll get hot just because of the connection. So the receptor is going to get hot, and the structure around that, the composite structure around that, is going to get hot also. Uh, but usually out towards the tip, there's not a lot of st- structure there, not, not a lot of load-bearing structure there. So it is less critical. What's more critical is you go kind of go down towards the root of the blade if that's where a lot of load is. So if you're getting that structure warm down towards the bottom, that's going to have implications further on. So uh, if you track lightning strikes to blades or just uh, I track just blades breaking, right? Because some of these blades that I think are breaking in the field, particularly if they have carbon fiber in them, is that the there's lightning energy either sparking to the carbon fiber or the carbon fiber is taking some of that energy and, it, and it's getting the resin system hot. It's not immediately breaking when the lightning strike happens, but it's, it's, it's weakening the blade. And then it, as the surface life continues and continues and continues, those weaknesses become exaggerated to become failure points and things break. So that's what you're trying to gotcha. avoid is that you've damaged it or weakened it. It's not going to fail immediately, but because of the loading and the unloading and the loading and unloading and all the flexing and bending that's going to happen, you fatigue it. You basically fatigue failure, right? and that's what you got to watch out for. So, so something as as relatively simple as the cross section of a piece of copper wire can have really significant structural implications on the blade. Gotcha. Obviously, when they strike different portions, so say like they hit the nacelle, they can burn up some of the grease in you know in like the gearbox yeah. and stuff like that, and they can also provide you know cause some long term damage that you're maybe not going to pick up for a while. Uh, if you have a fire up under the nacelles, hopefully somebody notices yeah, it. You're gonna... Yeah, uh, what tends to happen in the nacelles a lot of times is there's, there's are, are, in order for those uh, generators to run and all the systems that are required to get them to run properly, there's a lot of instrumentation. So there's a lot of sensors and wiring running around inside the nacelle. And when a, a lightning current runs through there, all the little sensors and the wiring in the sensor for the sensors picks up lightning transit noise or energy and can damage a sensor, weaken a sensor, uh, fail a sensor. So in lightning strikes, even though the lightning strike may happen to the blade, the current tends to run some, at least in some part through the nacelle where the electronics and control systems are and then down the tower. And what you see is failed sensors. I used, the big one for us several years ago was uh, failed anemometers. So anemometers measure wind speed and they kind of stick out the back end of the cells typically. Uh, those things were, were in certain installations were failing like fuses. So anytime they even took a near mm-hmm. strike, they would fail. Um, so all the electronics inside of there in the cell are, are, are the weak spots. And you're seeing a, big, a lot of changes over the last several years on 
protecting the equipment inside in the cell. Gotcha. And then like things like bearings, I mean, are they, yeah. do they have any sort of way to divert energy out of there? Cause yeah. again, like same thing, if their lubrication gets heated up too much, it's going to break down and then. Yeah. Uh, you see this effect on, uh, turboprop airplanes where there's, uh, bearings involved between the propeller and the airplane, uh, in the engine themselves. What tends the same thing happens on wind turbines. The, they try to divert the current around the bearings, uh, provide the energy path around the bearings, not through the bearings, because what will happen is you'll pit the bearings, and again you created mm -hmm. this this small imperfection in the bearing, and as as the bearing wears over time, you can get these uneven wear patterns happening, and you can have early failures of bearings because the lightning energy has has damage them bearings on a wind turbine are big and so they're not as delicate as a like a turboprop airplane um, in a turboprop airplane you get struck on the on the propeller you're going to end up taking the engine out and replacing the bearings on a wind turbine you're not going to do that it's a lot of work to do that and so they tend to let it ride uh, but they put systems in and wind turbines to sort of avoid going through the bearings. It's smart. It's a, that's a smart thing to do. It seems to be pretty commonplace right now. Uh, you don't want to put any sort of lightning energy into any you know, mechanical interface that you want to live for a long time. Yeah, because I was reading that, I guess, typical like maintenance and upkeep is running around $4,000 mm -hmm. a month per turbine. That, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just talking about getting people out there, and these are obviously highly skilled people with a pretty rare, rare skill yeah, set. Yeah, it is. So, and then obviously the expense of getting them out there, rigging them up, keeping them safe. And now with the coronavirus, all that stuff, that's getting even more challenging. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, having some pretty robust measures in place to keep them going is right. probably more important now than it, ever. It is. Obviously, uptime, like our podcast is called, is all about keeping the 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 turbines running and the industry is getting more and more concerned and spending more and more time and energy in making sure that uh, those turbines meet their intended service life and making small changes is the way to do that. Small improvements, modifying things over time, learning from what our field experience is telling us will make those blades and those systems live that 20 year lifespan. Yeah, and you wonder if now with, uh, again, with so much of the social distancing and not knowing how long, you know, we're going to be doing this yep. as, a, as, a, as a planet, you know, I'm sure the drone market's probably picking up where a lot of companies are saying, hey, look, we're not going to be able to get people out there. So we need to probably invest more time and money into getting our people comfortable with, with drones and yeah. just a way to get more people and maybe replace some of those jobs that probably not repair jobs obviously but just inspection jobs i'm sure a lot of companies are yeah are sinking more time and money into inspections via yeah. drones because you just don't know what the climate might look like in four five six months there could be a relapse of coronavirus there could oh, be oh boy i hope not it, it's it's going to be a a challenging time when we sort of reopen society and you know in the u.s and other places where people could suddenly be back in pubs and concerts and movie theaters and it spikes again. Like that's going to be hopefully what we avoid. But, you know, as a company, you think, man, maybe this should just be our time to shift to more robust online systems yeah. and, you know, more uh, web conferencing and just more use of drones. And yeah. Automation, just, computerization, robotics 
are going to become more commonplace than ever. And not that we didn't have the capability six months ago to do it, but we didn't have the desire to do it in a lot of cases. And that's going to change quickly uh, because uh, in the wind turbine industry, power deliver delivery of power is essential. And so we're going to do everything we can to keep the power being produced. And that means less regular maintenance. If we can spread out the maintenance times, that's going to help. Uh, if we can automate some of the things, if we can provide more information about each of the turbines and, and do things uh, remotely or smartly, we're going to do it. And there's going to be a dramatic, in my opinion, there's going to be a dramatic shift over the next couple of months. There's going to be a lot of uh, changes in human ingenuity put to work uh, to make things better. So if we get in this situation again, it seems like every five to 10 years, we're kind of in this situation, not as severe as this, this particular one, but we're probably going to be back in it again in five mm -hmm. to 10 years. And are we ready for that? And this is the time to learn from our experience, make those changes now. So when we get to the next one, we don't have to go through these big impacts. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it probably just makes sense for a lot of companies like, hey, this is the inflection point. Yeah. Like, let's just change some of our systems and we got to be because, I mean, God help a lot of companies who maybe aren't fully online right now because there's still a lot oh, yeah. of, you know, smaller companies that are just like they're writing tickets by hand. They're writing invoices by hand. They're filing. <laughs> They've got a lot of old like Ugh, our bank asked, that's asked not gonna... us to fax something in today and I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Ugh. Like, uh, what? Uh, I could text it to you, maybe. I do not have a fax machine. That was in the 1980s and 90s, guys. Uh, yeah. It's baffling. It's baffling, it's baffling it because it had never been the situation before where there's no one in the office. <laughs> Don't know how to transfer information securely except via secure fax of some sort. So, yeah, uh, we're all learning a very painful lesson right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, um, I think we're going to sign off here today, but thanks again for another yeah, great thanks, talk. Yeah, thanks, Dan. For all of you out there listening, uh, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. If you are new to the show, uh, be sure to subscribe. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube and other podcast platforms. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel if you're you know, an engineer, you're just interested in the industry because we have lots of short clips. So if you want a quick soundbite, you have something specific that you're looking for, whether it's in lightning protection or something else, um, check out our, our short clips because they're easy way to just grab the info that you need and go. Our goal is to be a big help to anyone working in the industry who needs to learn a little more about lightning protection, uh, just wind turbines in general. So we're going to be a good resource there out on YouTube as well. So not just here on iTunes or Spotify, but uh, in video form as well. And definitely check out our website, weatherguardwind.com and shoot us a message by email or set up a Zoom call and we'll get you taken care of if you need something. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you here next week.